Yes, indeed. Another week, and we're ready to go with another edition of the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is College Basketball Coast to Coast. I am your host, TJ Reeves, and I have enlisted some more excellent help to help go over, preview, analyze, and talk about what's going to go on. 94 feet of court all across the U.S. of A. in college basketball. Much to get to. Coming up, straight ahead, we're going to hear from one of the best insiders in terms of New York, New Jersey, high school and college basketball. Also covering the Big East religiously and this year for the Seton Hall Pirates with NewJersey.com, NJ.com, and the Newark Star-Ledger. Adam Zagoria, he has been a longtime writer. You read him some maybe online in the New York Times. Uh, previous stops in other places nationally as well. Got his own website as well, the Zags blog. So Adam Zagoria here to talk Big East. Just how many good teams are there? How many tournament-worthy teams are there? It's never too soon to start looking at the brackets, to start looking at uh, the seeds, the bids, how many would go. Could there be six? Will there maybe be seven Big East teams? Adam might think there could be more than that. We'll discuss that. But in particular, Seton Hall unbeaten at the top of that conference. We'll hear from him and talk to him about that uh, coming up here straight ahead to lead things off. He's also got some insight into some of the top recruits, including on Martin Luther King Monday at the Pro uh, Basketball Hall of Fame in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, They were uh, taking a look at a Hall of Fame all-star high school classic. He'll have insight that includes LeBron James's son, Bronny, that was involved. We'll hear from Adam Zagoria on all of those subjects, including the Hall unbeaten, how good is Villanova, how good... Is, uh, is Creighton at the top? St. John's coming on strong. So uh, we'll, we'll hear from Adam in uh, a little bit. Up next, uh, here on the podcast, after that, we'll talk with Matt Zimmick. We'll swing all the way out west. Matt in the Pacific Northwest has great insight on several different conferences, not just in the West, but in particular the Big Ten. Matt Freelance writing some for the USA Today Wisconsin Badger site, BadgerWire. He's got insight on the Big Ten, how top-heavy it is, a little topsy-turvy, how good is Michigan State. What's going on with Ohio State struggling in conference play? We'll talk about a couple of the matchups, including, including... Rutgers against, wait, Rutgers against Iowa in a large January Big Ten matchup coming on Wednesday night. Matt will have a thought or two uh, on that and how good Rutgers is playing uh, to this point in the season. We'll also uh, get from Matt what he thinks about the best team that he's seen right now and maybe a team that hasn't gotten enough pub to this point. The hint is it's a Western team that hasn't gotten enough pub uh, to this point in the season. So Matt's got some great insight into all of those things. So I look forward to talking to Matt Zimmick. And then to close the show, to round things out, to finish the break uh, here for us, fill the lane and slam it home. Uh, Coach Mark Wise is back from ESPN and their platform uh, platforms of coverage of college basketball. Mark working a Tennessee two-step, as I uh, refer to it and call it, working on Tuesday night, depending on when you're hearing us on College Basketball Coast to Coast in Knoxville, in the eastern part of the state in the corner. Knoxville, Tennessee for volunteers and Ole Miss. 
That one uh, coming your way on Tuesday evening. He'll then slide down Interstate 40. That's the way that I would go to the middle of my home state, the volunteer state of Tennessee, and head to Nashville and go hang out uh, with the Vanderbilt Commodores hosting the Alabama Crimson Tide. And Alabama, with all that firepower under first-year coach Nate Oates, so Mark working Bama and Vandy, again, depending on when you're hearing this, you may already know the outcome of one or both of those games, but we are in the preview mode uh, getting this podcast out. So he's working two SEC games midweek, and then on the weekend, Wichita State, the Shockers are back home with UCF in American Conference play. Uh, Mark worked the Houston win over Wichita State. How many teams of the American Conference going to get in to the NCAA tournament? So Mark will have some insight about Houston, about Wichita State, about Memphis. He's also got a surprise team in the American as well, and also his three wise men, which which also will cover the comeback team of the weekend, a Mountain West team that remarkably had had not just one foot in the grave, had both foot in the grave and dirt being shoveled on them until just like the Undertaker, dong, just like the Undertaker in uh, World Wrestling Federation days, uh, coming <laughs> coming back uh, to wrestle. Uh, here came this uh, West uh, Western team, this Mountain West team, back from a comeback. That team, I'll even tip it for you, was the Boise State Broncos uh, the other night. We'll hear from Mark Wise as part of that with his three wise men uh, coming up. All right, so uh, I, I guess the recurring theme continues. Who's really good right now in college basketball? We saw Kansas take a loss to Baylor at home uh, in the Big 12 at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. We talked about that on the podcast last week, but, man, they've bounced back since then now with a couple of victories um, doing a nice job to win at Oklahoma, also win uh, as well at Texas decisively. Uh, Kansas now will play Kansas State coming on Tuesday night, depending on when you're hearing the podcast. Always a rivalry game. Kansas State uh, get their first Big 12 win last week. So now uh, Kansas to play Kansas State, and then they'll play in this Big 12 SEC Challenge for Saturday that is coming on the weekend. Mark will have more insight on that. Kansas hosting the Tennessee Volunteers, who Mark gets a look at on Tuesday. So again, Kansas part of the Tuesday night coverage, but they got a couple of big wins. How about Louisville goes into Duke and beats Duke last Saturday night, snapping Duke's uh, win streak. Well, at at uh, Cameron right now, uh, of course, in uh, the pre-conference season, they were beaten by Stephen F. Austin. They had rattled off, I believe, six straight home wins after that. Now Louisville knocks them off on the heels of Clemson also beating them. So in any event, the ACC, at least at the top, uh, very uh, very interesting how it's all going to slot out. Who's going to end up maybe being a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, if anybody, out of the ACC? Uh, when you also factor in Florida State and how well they're playing, but also factor in that the defending champion Virginia can't score. Uh, they they played like a plastic silverware fight with NC State and got beaten again. Virginia can't get to 60 points. Lost, what, 55-53 on Monday night. So truly, really and truly, who's good? I mean, Kentucky bounced back from a loss midweek last week on the midcourt shot or, or the near midcourt shot, about a 35-footer. South Carolina beat them at the buzzer on a three in Columbia. They came back. They won at Arkansas. Kentucky playing Georgia on Tuesday night. How good is Butler that had ascended into the top five in the Big East? Now they've taken a couple of losses 
after a 3-0 start in the Big East. And Butler playing at Villanova on Tuesday night. Depending on when you're hearing this, you probably already know that result. Did Villanova hold serve at home? That would be three straight losses for a Butler team that was in the top five. Uh, I mentioned FSU, Florida State. They're off midweek. Uh, They now will play Notre Dame at home later in the week. It is the first time since the 1970s uh, that that Florida State is in the top five of the AP poll. So we'll see what happens uh, with the Seminoles. So again, a lot of uh, a lot of hoops to get to. San Diego State remains undefeated right now at nineteen and zero, looking good. Still a couple of road games to go. Can they run the table in the regular season in the Mountain West as the last of the unbeaten's after Auburn took a loss last week? That Gonzaga team very impressive. I thought that BYU might hang in with them, but Gonzaga won decisively. They are currently number one in the AP poll for this week the zags uh, right now three how about the the net rankings out on monday from the ncaa baylor one san diego state two gonzaga three did you hear a duke a kentucky a kansas a michigan state a syracuse in that let me say again baylor one in the net san diego state two gonzaga three Yes, Kansas is four, and Duke is six, and Michigan State is eighth. They're just not up in the top three at the moment. And that net ranking, which takes into account quality wins, whether they be home, neutral, or road, is the official metric that the NCAA is going to use with the selection committee. It's not the only metric they they use uh, from the conference RPI, uh, which is the true measure of just your strength of schedule, who you played and who they've played, but also the Ken Palm efficiency stats. I'm not as big, can I confess to you on college basketball coast to coast on the podcast, I'm not as big of a Ken Palm guy on all of the efficiency stuff, because that's great that you're a efficient uh, in in being able to score a number of possessions. Uh, But there are other factors, too, like how well do you rebound? Because that doesn't have anything to do with efficiency on uh, the number of possessions that you score on. That has to do with how well you put the ball back in the basket on the same possession a lot of times. Or defensively, do you hold the other team to one and done? Uh, I know that uh, the Ken Palm stats have a lot to do uh, with the tempo of play, how fast you play, which everybody now, it seems like, wants to play up-tempo with the shot clock, etc., etc. So anyway, the selection committee uses several metrics, including the new net. This is, I believe, the third year of the net. It is, if not, it's only the second year, at least two years of it, where they've gone in with this new metric, uh, strength of schedule, factoring in wins, Uh, Is it a top 75 team that you've beaten? Is it a top 50 team that you've beaten? Quadrant one, quadrant two. Uh, Try to get as many quadrant one wins as you can, as many quadrant one or two road or neutral wins as you can, and that's what stands out to the committee come the second weekend in March when they're doing all of the selecting for the upcoming 2020 NCAA tournament, which will all culminate in Atlanta and Mercedes-Benz Stadium. All right, much to get to on the podcast. Enough of me. Let's rock on with our guest straight ahead, Adam Zagoria, talking some Big East. Later on, Matt Zemek with me out west, talking some Big Ten, some Western teams. Mark Wise will round out the podcast, talking some SEC, some American. It is college basketball coast to coast. Always love talking with this man, but I somehow feel as though it is not the same. It is uh, different because we're not poolside. Whenever it seems like we get around each other Final Four, it might be poolside. Uh, you know, poolside chat with Adam Zagoria of the Zags blog, also uh, NewJersey.com, NJ.com's coverage of Seton Hall basketball. 
uh, knows all the ins and outs, New York, New Jersey, of the college hoop game, the Big East, and even really the whole country. Been covering uh, the sport across the board for a better part of a couple of decades. And Mr. Zags Blog, zagsblog.com. Adam Zagoria back with me on the College Basketball Coast to Coast podcast. What is it, about seven degrees in the New York, New Jersey area? You're not in a pool right now, I know that. Uh, TJ, it's always great to be with you. I'm definitely not in the pool. I was in lovely Springfield, Massachusetts at the Hoop Hall Classic for a couple days, with, where it's about 20-something degrees. <laughs> uh, now I'm in New York City where it's in the 30s. So I'm definitely looking forward to some poolside action at the Final Four. Yeah, I don't know if we gotta, we got to find something in Atlanta and hopefully have good weather. I was just sharing with you, I, I do this show from West Central Florida when we're on college basketball coast-to-coast. Coast. A lot of people think that I'm not in the state of Florida, that I'm in the state of confusion or state of disarray, but I am in the state of Florida. <laughs> However... Uh, low 40s, high 30s last night in the Tampa Bay area, so we are not in the pool either, although that may be later in the week because we'll be back in the 70s, upper 70s. That's why we live here. So we'll look for the pool. We'll look for that. But you've been, you've been uh, in and around some good hoops. So tell me more about the Hoop Hall Classic uh, because LeBron James' son, Bronny, was there. Tell me more about what you just did for the last couple of days. Yeah, well, for those who don't know, the, you know, the Hoop Hall Classic at the Hall of Fame in uh Springfield, Massachusetts is, you know, really one of the highlights of the high school basketball season. It's it's kind of like the Peach Jam, which is the highlight of the summer. Uh, it's a five-day event. They have all the top high school teams. You know, Roy Williams was there. John Calipari was there. A lot of uh, other college coaches watching some of the top teams, um, including, you know, Montverde Academy in Florida, which is the number one team in the country right now, coached by Kevin Boyle featuring uh, Cade Cunningham, who's going to Oklahoma State as the projected number one pick in 2021. And yesterday was a, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and it was really a circus because Bronny James and Sierra Canyon played at 1 o'clock, and I think it was just pure coincidence, but the Lakers were playing the Celtics in Boston, which is about an hour and a half away later that night. So there was a lot of rumblings that LeBron was going to show up and watch the game. And, of course, he did. He walked into the gym, um, you know, I don't know, five minutes before the game was going to start. There was a lot of security and police around him. And they really sort of oversold the gym. There were, there was a huge fire hazard, <laughs> a lot of people in there. Um, you know, LeBron watched the whole game, and people were taking pictures of him. And uh, his son's team ended up losing the game. Um, and then some of the crowd left and, and the rest stayed but it was you know it was a bit of a circus it sounds like it i saw a couple of highlights uh i know there's the controversy with somebody throwing something at his son no room for that get the idiots out that want to throw debris at players or officials yeah, I or think coaches some, i think it was some cheese doodles <laughs> well normally they're throwing those at me and at you whenever they see us but i should you know and in lebron's case it didn't get any better because then the celtics lakers game was a disaster maybe he should have stayed with his son at the hoop hall classic uh, because that was a disaster uh, a whole of a whole nother level on Monday night. But in any event, uh, any other takeaway there from a player or where that might play, that player might be locked into? I know it's early in that process as well. Any other takeaway before we move on? Well, yeah, I mean, I would just say two quick storylines. You know, one is, is this Montverde Academy team, where does it rank among the best high school teams of all time? Um, I, I, drove up and back with the great Tom Kachowski 
he says they're in the conversation with about half a dozen other teams. And it's funny because he listed six teams and three of them were Kareem's power <laughs> memorial teams in high school, <laughs> 63, four and five. So three of his six greatest high school teams of all time had Lou Alcindor on them. Um, and then second of all, you know, you just have, uh, you know, I think there's going to be an increasing discussion here with these top high school kids, uncommitted kids like Jalen Green from Prolific Prep and Zaire Williams from Sierra Canyon are still uncommitted. Where are they going to go? And are they considering going overseas? You know, we've had LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton, some of these guys go over to Australia. So that is, you know, playing pro before you're in the NBA uh, or before going to the NBA has kind of been linked to guys like Jalen and Zaire Williams. They both say they're going to college and, you know, everybody's waiting to see where they go. No doubt. Uh, all right. I love this man's insight on all fronts, including he is close to the kids in the hall. Uh, of course, I just use that moniker because it, it stuck you know, with me from a lot of years ago with what P.J. Carlissimo did. Seton Hall, though, at the time, we're talking 6-0 and in the Big East here midweek, getting ready to host Providence. You've been covering them uh, for NJ.com. Uh, we talked a little bit uh, previously about uh, how good Miles Powell is. What do you see out of Seton Hall uh, right now as to why they're having this success? I know a lot of the fans that are hearing us know they went and won at Butler uh, back about a week ago, week and a half ago, whatever it was, at Hinkle Fieldhouse. What about Seton Hall? What do you see out of them? Yeah, well, I mean, look, first of all, Seton Hall was picked to win the Big East regular season, uh, TJ slightly ahead of Villanova. Um, you know, and they have they had all the pieces coming back. Miles Powell, preseason Big East Player of the Year. He's uh, you know been touted as a National Player of the Year contender. They have two seven foot two dudes. Romero Gill, who's originally from um, Jamaica, who is probably going to be the Big East most improved player. He's averaging, um, you know, about three, two and a half, three blocks a game. He really changes the, the game defensively, blocking shots, altering shots. And then he's, his offensive game has really come on, and he's just scored on a bunch of screen and roll lob dunks, and he's getting, you know, 15, 17 points a game. And then they just have a lot of solid experience guys like Quincy McKnight, a fifth-year transfer from Sacred Heart at the point guard. Um, they have a lot of pieces. And I think, you know, it was kind of a dramatic season so far. Miles sprained his ankle. There was some question whether he'd make the Michigan State game. In November, he came back and scored 37 in that. Then he suffered a really bad concussion in a blowout loss at Rutgers in December. It was unclear how long he was going to be out. He missed two games. And during the time he was out, they actually beat Maryland, who was number seven at that point, and they won two games with other guys kind of stepping up without Miles. And I think that has benefited them since Miles has come back because other players playing a bigger role. And so, have- um, you know, they've won eight in a row. They're six and zero in the Big East. They're up to like two or the two or three seed in some mock brackets, so everything's really going their way. I started to say it, and I didn't mean to interrupt. They've now won eight in a row since that loss to Rutgers. Um, and you've been around them, and again, you've been around Kevin Willard. How, how much confidence, I would have to think, they are exuding confidence. How much confidence have they been playing with? How much more do you expect them to play with right now in the short term? Yeah, and by the way, I'll just mention quickly that Rutgers, uh, you know, at the time, you know, they beat Seton Hall by 20, 
Rutgers is now ranked in the AP poll yes. for the first time since first time since 1979, <laughs> and they're you know they're up to like a sixth in the mock brackets on guys like Mike DeCourcy and Joe Lenardi. So, you know, New Jersey has two teams in top 25, which I believe was more than the state of California had this week, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, you know, as, as for Seton Hall, you know, they're having a lot of fun. Like, you know, Miles is clearly the star of the team, but he roots for his teammates to do well. When, when guys like Romero Gill and Quincy McKnight and Jared Roden do well miles is happy for them he's shouting them out in the press conference he's talking them up um so i think it's a group of guys that really like each other you know in college basketball we talk about how you want to get old and stay old you know this team is old they got a you know miles is a senior they got a bunch of older players that are helping contribute and, and kevin willard's in his 10th year at seton hall which is not an easy place to recruit or win and i think he's just proving he's one of the best coaches in the country this man is uh, always proving that he's one of the best, most insightful, not only writers, recruiting uh, guys, but also covering the sport uh, on the regional level in the New York area, but nationally as well. He's Adam Zagoria with me for a few more moments on the College Basketball Coast to Coast podcast. Love his insight. Again, Seton Hall Providence is the opponent Wednesday. They have a bye weekend. They do not play this weekend in the Big East, and they're back with DePaul and Xavier both at home the following week. Uh, so a little homestand here, a little home cooking for Seton Hall to see if where it goes. You've alluded to it already that uh, bracketology becomes a bigger thing now in uh, in February and obviously closer to March. But you start looking at the bracket analysts, whichever one you want to pick. Most of them have six Big East teams right now uh, in, the, uh, in the field. The net ranking that the NCAA Selection Committee uses has... Uh, what did I say? Four, four of them in the top thirty-three right now. Strong yeah. conference right now, Adam. Obviously, yeah. I mean, I think outside of the Big Ten, which you know everyone understands how deep and talented they are. I mean, some some brackets have you know ten or eleven you know Big Ten teams in the tournament. Outside of that league, uh, I think we can see that the Big East is clearly the you know the best league in the country. Um, you know, they got you know anywhere from six to maybe eight teams that could make the tournament. I mean, St. John's was picked, uh, I think, ninth in the Big East, and they are, uh, you know, in a bunch of mock brackets, although they're only one in five, I believe, in the league. Butler was picked eighth out of ten teams in the Big East, TJ, and they were ranked number five in the country last week and were number two in the net at one point. Um, They've come back, you know, they've lost two in a row now, but Basically, the, the the bottom teams that are projected in the Big East, Butler, St. John's, and DePaul, have all done very well and have all been you know linked to the NCAA tournament. So I think it's the deepest, um, strongest league in the country. About that, a right, little Northeast blend in here on college basketball coast to coast. Tell the fans, love your insight. I know you're writing on NJ.com, NewJersey.com about Seton Hall, but tell the fans about your site, about your social media, and where they can find out more about your insight on the game. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm kind of having fun this season because I'm basically covering uh, the Seton Hall for NJ.com and the Star Ledger, and then so all my Seton Hall stuff is there. Everything else, you go to zagsblog.com or my Twitter at Adam Zagoria, and uh, you can get all my stuff there. 
Love that. Again, the Zags blog also does a little NBA, starts looking ahead. Again, the recruiting is a big part of this. This guy's in on that. Uh, big time if you start projecting for your NBA teams and uh, you know what might happen with recruits going to what schools and that kind of stuff. Love that from Adam Zagoria. All right, we'll do this again if you will allow me to bother you before we get to March, and then the madness and the mayhem of March will lead us to Atlanta. Speaking of uh, Peachtree, as you mentioned, or the Peach Jam, the Peachtree State, uh, the Peach State of Georgia will be in Atlanta for the Final Four. Always love the insight. We'll, we'll watch the Big East continue to mix it up and rumble throughout the regular season, Seton Hall included. Adam, a treat to be with you here. Be well, stay warm, enjoy the hoops. All right, TJ, next time we'll do a full side, buddy. There he goes. Love the insight there of Adam Zagoria, again, covering the Big East Conference. We will see what happens with these matchups, including Seton Hall, Providence, uh, the Wednesday night game that will be taking place with the Hall unbeaten at 6-0 and in Big East play. A reminder that college basketball coast to coast is brought to you in part by Play Pick 6. We're talking about all these different college games. Did you know that on any given weeknight right now, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, there might be as many as 40 important uh, Division One games and you can pick them all across college basketball for free with the Play Pick 6 app. You can get this app at the Google Play Store or at the Apple Store and play absolutely for free. And here's something else uh, that you can do with Play Pick 6 that you can't do with all of these other prediction games. You can cross sports. Cross over to NBA games with your college picks. Cross over to NFL games. If we go to Super Bowl Sunday, you can pick the Super Bowl with the college hoop games as well as uh, the NBA, the NHL right now. This is great for college basketball on Saturday. All of those games coming in the Big 12 SEC challenges. We're going to keep mentioning Florida taking on Baylor or Kansas taking on Tennessee. Uh, on and on down the list with those games coming on Saturday. Uh, play them with the Play Pick 6 app. Go find out more about how you can play for free. You've got a sports restaurant gift card coming if you get all six correct in the same day. Now, here's another feature. Wherever you download the app and play the game, that if one of your games loses out earlier in the evening, you can reload in the same day with the Western games. Let's say the Mountain West, the Pac-12, the Big 12 are playing late games, etc. Et load up on six more games. Play Pick 6 is the app. Apple Store, Google Play Store, go play for free and go win a sports restaurant gift card with Play Pick 6. It's promised. Let's roll the sleeves up. Let's get into some of the good action here as we wind down January with a man that loves the game, the 94-foot game of college basketball as much as I do, Matt Zimmick. Uh, wears many hats. I love leaning on him for a lot of different reasons, and a couple of those hats involve college basketball. One of those, some uh, Big Ten acumen with the uh, USA Today Badger Wire website that he oversees. So I want to talk a little Big Ten basketball with him. He also writes some Florida football for FloridaFootballInsiders.com. I want to talk some some Florida Florida State basketball in a bit. But first, let's bring Matt on the program. Uh, good to have you. Uh, I know that uh, we monitor any and all. You've even got eyeballs on the Australian Open in tennis. Uh, there's not a lot getting by you these days. How are you, my friend? Uh, my my eyeballs are going in many different directions. That is indisputably true. 
but we're going to focus you on the college hoops and the march towards March and the madness and the mayhem. All right, fun one. If I say to you, with all the debate about whether uh, at the top it's a team like Gonzaga or uh, somebody like Baylor, uh, Duke obviously took a loss on the weekend, who's the best team that you've seen right now for your own reasons? Who, who stands out here uh, heading down the stretch in late January? Well, the cautionary note is that the best team right now and the best team uh, in 36 hours and the best team in mid-February and the best team in early March and the best team in early April, we're going to go through a lot of yeah, changes right. on this. But you noticed but right I qualified it. I qualified it. The best team that you've seen right now to this point, yeah. who would that be? And that has to be – it has to be Baylor because you don't go into the fog and uh, – Slap around the Jayhawks decisively if you if you aren't good and you know Kansas is not uh, an overwhelmingly great team but Kansas is better than it was last year just because Udoka Azubuki uh, and Silvio D'Souza you know were both out for prolonged stretches last year you know they're in, they're part of the lineup so Kansas has a front court Kansas did not have a real front court last season and so Baylor still was able to go in to the fog and, uh, and, uh, enjoy itself. So, so when you do that and Baylor also hammered Texas tech, um, that, that team, you know, has made more strong statements, I think, than any other team in the country. You can make an argument for Gonzaga. You can make an argument for San Diego state, but I think, I think Baylor has more statements and we know how rugged the big 12 is. Uh, you know, the big 12 has not been, amazing in the NCAA tournament, but the Big 12, you know, having just 10 teams instead of 14, you know, you don't get as many cupcakes at the bottom of that conference compared to the 14-team conferences in college basketball, and Baylor is holding its own. So I think Baylor right now is the most impressive team I've seen, and if the selection show were today, Baylor would definitely be on the one line. Remarkable what they have been able to do uh, with with Scott Drew Uh, With all the problems, all the scandals previously uh, in the athletic department, basketball, football, et cetera, et cetera, they are looking good right now with the caveat, as Matt said, long way to go. And we'll circle back to Baylor and Florida Gators in a couple of minutes because that game's coming on the weekend as we kind of rock along here on college basketball coast to coast. Okay, I'll follow up on that with saying, give me any team off the buffet that we're not talking about enough. Clearly, we're talking about Baylor because they're ranked number one in the AP poll coming off the weekend and they had that huge win against Kansas. Who are we not talking about enough? And this can be anywhere power power six including the big east or anybody else give me a team matt zimmick well so the fact that there's no great team in college basketball uh, it puts a lot of teams in a jumble so so in many ways college basketball analysts across the nation we're looking at a lot of different teams and and following them so in terms of someone going under the radar it's not going to be among the top 15 teams because we're, we're trying to see of all these teams that are bunched together, you know, which one stands out. So I think like the top 15 to 20 teams are all getting a fair amount of attention. So it's really that second or third tier below that really, you know, bubble teams that might be emerging from the woodwork uh, to make a real run at an NCAA bid, a surprise NCAA bid. Here's my uh, surprise installment there. Washington State. Mm. Washington State 
Washington State just swept the Oregon schools, swept, beat Oregon, beat Oregon State. The Cougars are legitimately in the NCAA hunt. They probably would not be in the field today, but they've certainly moved onto the bubble. So that's Kyle Smith. He came from really interesting journey, went from Columbia in the Ivy League to San Francisco in the West Coast Conference. So Washington State snapped him up, and he seems to be getting that thing turned around uh, very quickly, really ahead of schedule. So it would be amazing for Smith to get the Cougars into the NCAA tournament this year. It would be a phenomenal achievement. And right now it seems realistic. And before, before you or anyone else say, you know, come on, please, it, you know, the Pac-12 has been surprisingly fluid. Uh, most people expected Oregon to take hold of that conference, and, and Oregon did beat Washington this past weekend, but Oregon was down 16 in that game, needed star senior point guard Peyton Pritchard yep. to hit several 30-footers. Yep. You know, he, he, those, were, those were hoists, and he managed to splash them. It was terrible offense, but, but Pritchard was able to hit them. Uh, you know, so Oregon has not taken charge in the Pac-12, and Stanford had a chance to go to 5-0 and with a – two-game lead over USC, but Stanford gacked a 21-point lead, was up by five with 15 seconds left, was up with 10 by 10 with three seconds left, threw away two inbounds passes. USC scores five points off those two steals, sends the game to overtime, and wins it in overtime. So there's really no take-charge team in the Pac-12, and given that reality – you could see, realistically see, Washington State winning a bunch of 50-50 games. Now, I mean, the, the real test for the Cougars will be on the road because this Oregon sweep, the Ducks and Beavers, was at home in Pullman. So the, the road is going to be the measure. That's going to yep. determine whether the Cougars get into the NCAA tournament or not. But right now, they're on the bubble. And who the heck thought Washington State would be a bubble team? Uh, with 10 days left in January. This is why we love the insight of Matt Zimmick on the College Basketball Coast Coast Podcast. It's your opinion. I asked you, give me somebody we're not talking about enough, and you just talk them up for a couple of minutes out of what has been a wide-open Pac-12 uh, to this point. All right, so looking towards the preview mode, again, depending on when they're hearing us, Tuesday night is a big night in the Big Ten, and you write again about and, and uh, purvey over a lot about the Wisconsin Badgers. They play Nebraska in Big Ten action Tuesday night. Also Tuesday night, Maryland at Northwestern, who's bad, but Maryland number 17 right now in the AP poll, for what it's worth. Illinois also at Purdue Tuesday night. So there, there's some big team. Got to have a lot of eyeballs. You were talking about extra eyeballs, extra eyeballs, extra TVs if you're keeping up with the Big Ten Tuesday. Absolutely. And, and here's the amazing thing. Whoever thought that we'd be here but roughly ten, with 10 days left, 7 to 10 days left in, in the month of January, and if the season ended today, Rutgers and Illinois would both have double buys and top four <laughs> seeds at the Big Ten tournament. They would be... They would be seated second and third if, if the season ended today behind, behind Michigan State. So, I mean, this is how screwy the, the Big Ten has been. And you have Ohio State at 2-5 and five in the conference. Many of us who follow college basketball were thinking in mid-December after Ohio State beat North Carolina by 25 in Chapel Hill, oh, whoa, Ohio State could be number one in the country. And now Ohio State is 2-5. Is two and five. Uh, in the Big Ten. And so the, the, the story in the Big Ten continues to be 
the inability of road teams to win against, you know, remotely decent teams. You know, the Big Ten doesn't have a great team. I've been on record as saying that Michigan State is not an elite team until it proves it can go on the road in the Big Ten and win. Michigan State had a, a road trip to Northwestern. Northwestern and Nebraska are the two tomato cans in the conference. So if you win a road game there, uh, you know, it's not, it's not really a high-value scout. But, like, it, uh, the other 12 schools in the Big Ten – Hardly anyone has won a road game against the 12 decent to good schools. Big 10 road teams have won only seven times to date this season, and four of those times are games at Nebraska or Northwestern. So it's really only three times that anyone has won a road game against the 12 decent to good teams in the Big 10. That's, that's really a crazy statistic. So, you know, as we go forward and as we look at games this week in the Big Ten, such as Rutgers at Iowa, yep. you know, any team any team that can win a road game against a non-Nebraska, non-Northwestern opponent, which, again, has barely happened this year, if you can get that kind of win, uh, you know, you, you'll move forward. So, for example, Wisconsin, the team that I'm following, should be a fairly easy home game against Nebraska this week. But Wisconsin's place in the Big Ten race, is pretty decent, if only because Wisconsin has already banked road wins at Ohio State and Penn State. Wisconsin has the two best Big Ten road wins of anybody in the league. And here's the here's the real money fact, TJ. Michigan State is six and one, leading the Big Ten. Of those first uh, seven games, five have been at home, and of the two road games Michigan State has played, one has been at Northwestern. You know, a bad team. So Michigan State, you, you could make the argument, Michigan State's only really challenging Big Ten game of the seven it has played so far at Purdue, it lost by 29. So Michigan State plays five of its next seven on the road, and none of those five road trips are at Nebraska or Northwestern. So in many ways, the Big Ten season is just beginning to start. We begin to find out what Michigan State is truly made of with these five road games in the next seven for Tom Izzo. And I love what you said about Washington State and, you know, who, why are we talking about them and who to thunk it? Who to thunk we're talking about a Rutgers-Iowa game being relevant. But Rutgers is 18 in the Monday-released NCAA net rankings, and Iowa not far uh, behind them as well at 26 in the net rankings. That's that, that's pretty wild. And they will play each other. And again, depending on when you're hearing us, that may be in the preview mode or you may already know what happens uh, in that one. Uh, we'll see there in the Big Ten. couple of moments left. Matt Zimmick is with me. Uh, at Matt Zimmick on Twitter. Tweets about uh, all kinds of stuff, including college basketball, which we love. Uh, we love his insight. You write uh, at times on FloridaFootballInsiders.com, college and NFL, but Florida uh, and Florida State football are always prevalent on that side. Oh, uh, the Florida State Seminoles off a win over defending national champion uh, Virginia, now number five in the AP poll. Florida Gators' huge win over Auburn at home uh, appear to be in really good shape in the SEC. What about these two Florida teams? Give me a minute or two on them. Florida State not playing midweek. They're, they're on a bye until Saturday with Notre Dame. Florida has LSU at LSU in what is a really entertaining uh, possible game. Tuesday night, Gators-Baylor on Saturday. Give me a couple minutes about both, just real quick. 
Well, first off, uh, I'm starting a new college basketball podcast, TJ, and in my first episode, uh, my guest, uh, and I'll talk about this on my Twitter feed. You can follow me at Matt Zemek, Z-E-M-E-K. I'm going to unveil this podcast this week, and my guest talked a lot about Florida State. The thing that my guest uh, discussed, and I think he's correct in saying this, is that the key for Florida State you know, if it wants to win the ACC, and we can all agree that the ACC is a three-horse race, Florida State, Louisville, Duke. So Louisville has the win over Duke. Florida State has the win over Louisville. Yep. Uh, and Florida and Louisville makes a return trip to Florida State, to Tallahassee in late uh, February. Um, there isn't a uh, – Florida State's going to go to Duke in early February. Um, so, but, you know, so everybody's going to look at those clashes – involving the top three in the ACC, but it's really going to be decided by Florida State's road trips to the middle tier of the ACC. And Florida State has a little uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech two-game road trip later on in the season. Being able to sweep that or at least split it, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that Florida State has to do in order to win the ACC regular season title. You know, Florida State can't have a nightmare road trip in which it loses, you know, two out of two games, minimizing damage on the road and then continuing to clean up at home where it has been very hard to beat over the last three seasons under Leonard Hamilton. That's Florida State's ticket, not only to the ACC title, but also Florida State has never been seeded higher than three. This would be the first ever number two or even number one seed in school history if the Seminoles can get it. And for Florida, again, interesting week. They're 39 in the net, though, uh, coming off that win over Auburn. Uh, They will play at LSU. You talk about resume-building wins. Can they get that one? Again, you may be hearing us later in the week on College Basketball Coast to Coast and know that LSU clobbered them. I don't know. We're in the preview mode. And then they host Baylor. When you talk about the committee uh, looking at Florida for seating purposes, et cetera, et cetera, it's January, yes, but these are a couple of large games with one of them on the road to find out what the Gators are made of real quick, right? Yep. So last year, you know, many of us who are listening to this will be listening to us, you know, in the middle of the week after this game has been played. So let me just lay out the significance of it so that you can process the importance of the result, whichever way it breaks. Last year, Florida won in Baton Rouge in overtime. Uh, Florida LSU games were very competitive last year. Um, now LSU has continued to win close games this season. It did so all of last season, but if you look at LSU's last two weeks, this season was trailed Mississippi state late rallied trailed Texas A&M late rallied trailed Ole Miss late rallied. I mean, this is just an amazing team that (laughs) if, 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 if basketball games were 35 minutes long, LSU would be one in three in the, in the SEC, but instead LSU is unbeaten. So, you know, so Florida is going to have to figure out the final few minutes. And the other main thing about Florida, what kind of a team is Auburn? You know, Florida just demolished Auburn, but Auburn, as a lot of people were saying, you know, 15-0, but where were the quality wins? So in many ways, knowing how good Florida is, that's also going to be a, a question to explore alongside how good Auburn is. And we don't really know on either front, this next week, certainly for Florida, is going to prove very decisive, I think. 
No doubt about that. Uh, of course, Mike White's got the excellent guard play with Nimhard and others uh, that can that can distribute, that can shoot. We'll see. And again, Baylor is the game looming Saturday primetime ESPN Big 12 SEC Challenge Showdown. See what happens in that one. We love this guy. Again, plug away on where we can find out more, read you more, social media, etc. Matt. Okay, you can find me on Twitter, Matt at Matt Zemek, and I will be debuting the Free Throw Awareness College Basketball Podcast. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm also writing at, just, just on an interim basis, for the rest of January, I'll be writing at Badgers Wire, one of the USA Today sites, and uh, also doing some freelance writing here and there, uh, just uh, continuing to pump out that. And then, of course, I'm covering the Australian Open for Tennis with an Accent, Twitter pay, or Twitter handle, Accent underscore tennis so you can follow us there for continuing coverage of the first major tournament of the year love that he's got the tennis going he's following some florida football in the offseason but never never enough time to keep up with all the hoops we got to keep up with all this every which direction we did well in this conversation we went from wazoo to gainesville all the way north to like badger land and then and then talked uh, some baylor bears too so we pretty much crisscrossed the country on college basketball coast to coast thank you matt zimmick thank you tj reed Always love the breakdown, the insight, the analysis. He is still willing to join me, although it is early in conference play in January. He may be foregoing me later on in the year. Oh, I don't know. He just loves talking hoops. That's why it's in his Twitter handle, <laughs> MW Hoops. He is Mark Wise. Back on the trail of some SEC basketball midweek and back on college basketball coast to coast. Coach, you're in my home state, the volunteer state, for two games midweek at the time we're talking uh how chilly because it got chilly in florida after you left chilly is relative for us it's like an iceberg in a lot of other places you doing all right in tennessee midweek i am tj but i must confess uh when we're making this uh recording there's this white stuff coming down (laughs) what is that i'm not familiar with that i mean it's just flurries but uh Oh. Yeah, it's a little chilly here in Knoxville today. Yeah, winter is definitely here. Not just coming, the old uh, Game of Thrones, winter is coming. Winter is here in a lot of places. And the coach is here to impart some wisdom on some Southeastern Conference hoops first. So let's just go chronologically. Uh, depending on when they're hearing us, you're working Tuesday night, Tennessee hosting Ole Miss, Thompson Bowling Arena in Knoxville. And then a couple of hours uh, to the west, you'll be working Wednesday night, in Nash Vegas, Vanderbilt and a high-powered Alabama offensive team that could be entertaining. Let's begin with Vols and Rebels. For those that uh, that are interested, it is College Basketball Coast Coast. Give me a little insight here on what you have Tuesday. Well, I, I call Tennessee right now the, the mystery team of the Southeastern Conference, and the reason why I'm saying that is because they lost the services of their point guard, Lamonte Turner, right before Christmas. They've had a couple of roster additions, oddly enough. Uh, they're playing with new personnel. And despite um, um, their, their shooting, which has been anemic so far in league play, uh, they're three and two uh, in league play. But I have no idea how good they are. I don't think Rick Barnes has any idea how good they are, especially on the offensive end. But here's what we do know. They really defend, and they defend at a high level. Now, they're playing a – a really hot, 
scoring guard in Brian Tyree, one of my favorite players in the league. He went for 36 the other night against LSU. It's a career high in that tough four-point loss that they had. Mississippi is trying to scrape out a win any way they can. They've got a brutal schedule, four of their first six in league play on the road. Uh, so they've they've struggled. So uh, it's it's kind of two teams that are uh, have got a lot of question marks right now. Mm, no doubt about that. Um, and so that one again is the Tuesday night game. Uh, as Mark is working uh, that one on the SEC network, the Wednesday night game also on SEC network. Again, depending on when you're hearing us here, is Alabama and Vanderbilt. Uh, Bama off that exciting win. Uh, over Auburn, handing Auburn their first loss. They turn around and put another 88 points up in a win over Missouri. They are fun to watch uh, right now. Nate Oates' team with the up-tempo style, the three-point shooting, the dribble penetration. Tell me more about Alabama, which is the bigger story here in Nashville against Vandy. Well, even though their record's only 10-7, and they are very much in the bubble discussion as it relates to mid-January because uh, of an outstanding strength of schedule. Um, They're 42 in the net as of this week. Um, This is a resume protector game, not a resume builder game. When you talk about Alabama, you have to talk about the offensive makeover that they've had from last year to this. They're third in tempo. They shoot 33s a game. Their last game out against Missouri, they took 39, 39 (laughs) from the arc. They have made 13 or more threes seven different times this year. I love Kyra Lewis Jr. I think he's a next-level point guard. He has elite-level quickness. John Petty is by far playing the best basketball of his career. They've got a great one-two punch inside and they just make life so miserable for you with uh on you because of how fast they play and how willing they are to take threes now Vanderbilt on the other hand you know their best player Aaron Neesmith lost probably for the season Uh, you take you know it's no different than uh, North Carolina with Cole Anthony you take your best player out of the roster you take a 23 point score you take the number one three-point shooter in the country off your team and you're you're going to struggle and Vanderbilt has struggled mightily uh to score uh, in the absence of Neesmith so again Alabama on the road resume protecting opportunity all right so that one very interesting Uh, I'll skip back to Tuesday night Florida Gators LSU Tigers LSU at five and oh Florida at four and one off of a quality win as well over Auburn uh, Florida also has Baylor coming Saturday as we're still in the preview mode all week. Baylor, huge game Saturday night, primetime game in Gainesville. These, these are going to be two. You talk about resume builder, resume tester, resume maker, whatever other <laughs> type right. of phrase you want to use. This is a big week for the Gators. And again, a lot of the audience may know how that LSU Florida game went uh, because you might be listening later in the week, but it's a big week for the Gators. Yeah, they've got to deal with LSU's ability to play downhill. They're in the top 10 in the country in two-point field goal percentage. They're in the top because of that and because of the way that they crash the offensive glass. They're in the top 10 in offensive efficiency. Florida will have to deal with that. I mean, LSU, you know, in some ways has kind of been living right. Uh, they're, they're after their opening league game. And they've won three of five on the road. So that you get big-time extra credit for that. But in their last four wins, they've won by a total of 11 points. 
So, again, they're, they're playing well at the right time, the only undefeated team left in the Southeastern Conference. In terms of Florida, they got that big-time performance by the freshman Omar Payne the other day who went for a monster double-double at 19-11 and 11 against Auburn. Uh, Florida doesn't necessarily need that, but they don't need him to go back to where he's getting four points and three rebounds in a game either. So he's kind of set a new bar. Florida's playing a little bit better. Here's the thing that I will tell people about Florida. You know, as we start going on and we, and TJ, and we talk about the net ranking and quadrant one opportunities, when you talk about quadrant one opportunities, because the spread is so varied between home net rankings and road net rankings, most of your quadrant one opportunities happen on the road. That only makes sense because the road net is one through 75. Well, Florida is in a unique position because they have eight quadrant one games remaining. Four of those are at home. A lot of that thanks to the Baylor game on Saturday. Yeah, so it does It does lay out well for them. Big road test, and I agree with you, and we've said this for so many years. We're going to start banging the drum right now. It's not just who did you play, but where did you play them? Road games are weighted more for this reason, and that will become much more relevant uh, down the road. And these made-for-TV things like the Big 12 SEC weekend that's going to happen here, uh, that helps with that too. Uh, with with uh, Baylor, the you know, solidifying itself even more with a road game here at Florida for later on in the weekend, and that leads us to what we like to do now this time of year, uh, as January turns to February, and then February turns to the greatest month, and that is March, and that is get a little smarter. And now it's time for Mark Wise's Three Wise Men. It is time for the three wise men. Again, I stipulate these can be players, these can be coaches, these can be athletic directors, conference commissioners. We might even go to the women's game to a coach, player, or the same, an administrator, an athletic director uh, for a women's program, whatever the case is. All right, Mark Wise, hit me. Hit me here. Go. TJ, I often think if you're going to win games on the road, especially at a major conference, your best player needs to be your best player. And for Seton Hall last week at Butler, at St. John, Miles Powell delivered in a big-time way. 29 points on the win against Butler, 29 points over the road win at St. John. Uh, He is wise man number one. You get two 29-point performances from your best player on the road, I think that explains a lot about how good Miles Powell is. No doubt. Seton Hall again midweek. We're in a preview mode against Providence coming on Wednesday night. Home game there. The Hall 6-0 and right now in the Big East. And the Big East likely going to get at least five, probably six teams right now. But still to shake out in the NCAA tournament looking good as a conference. Where are we going next? I don't know that I've ever made a complete team a wise man (laughs) so here's a first yes boise state men's basketball Mm. the reason i say that their comeback against utah state at home and boise over the weekend i had to go back and look at the play-by-play the clock went inside four minutes to go and boise state was down 18 Mm -mm -mm. utah state had three turnovers they had three missed shots they missed some free throws And yet, Boise State is still down six points with 15 seconds to go. 
after a made shot and a free throw, Boise State is still down. <laughs> Five points with eight seconds to go. They make the three. They get a steal. They get the layup with one second to go. They take it into overtime and win. It is every coach's worst nightmare. But but what a comeback by Boise State in and, that win. And they deserve the collective wise men uh, for that. And I must confess, they cannot see me on college basketball coast-to-coast mark-wise. I was watching a little of that game late Saturday in the second half. I probably saw about six minutes of clock time, and Utah State was just putting it on them, including Sam Merrill, uh, who finished with 30 points. I'm looking at that game like most everybody that's not a friend or family member of a Boise State Bronco going, this is OVA, O-V-A-H, OVA, it's done, and it's never OVA, as Boise State proved with a with a great rally, down by 19 with six minutes left, but even bigger, as you kept mentioning, down six or down five with under 15 seconds left, find a way to get it into overtime, great regular season performance for Boise State. It truly never is over. And finally, for a wise man. I am always impressed by coaches who are willing to change, who are willing to look at their personnel and say, you know what, I I think we can do this instead of that. Scott Drew at Baylor, most of his career has been known as an outstanding zone coach. That matchup zone that they played have given teams fits. It's one of the reasons why um, they've had so much success in the NCAA tournament because of that matchup nature, and you're not used to playing it. You don't. You're not used to seeing it. So they've gone. I think four years ago they were 90% matchup zone. Well, right now with the collection of of athletes and personnel that he has now, they're 90% man to man. And not only are they man to man, they have a lot of ingredients in terms of what I think it takes to be an elite defensive team. You've got to have quickness. They've got that. You've got to have length. They've got that. You've got to have the ability to block shots. They certainly have that. And lastly, you've got to be committed. And this Baylor team, man, they are committed on the defensive end. They hold everybody under their season average. They are dynamite on the defensive end. Uh, It's tough to find points against Baylor and their tough man-to-man, but I credit Scott Drew with his willingness to change. And they put it on Oklahoma in a Monday night win, and now they get ready for that showdown with Florida that we've been making reference to. And look, just to bring this up, over the course of the years, you and I have done this so many different times, not just here on this podcast and show, tune in, uh, Sirius XM, Fox Sports Radio, so we kind of finish each other's sentences a lot of times, and I know where you're going with things and you know where I'm going with things. You talked about this with Mike Shashevsky for a lot of years about won't play zone, won't play, right. wants to play man to man, won't play zone. He adjusted it, helped them win a, a national title uh, in 2015. That he varied up his defense in some regard. The highway is littered, my friend, with coaches who won't adjust, who who refused for whatever reason to remake their team, their mindset, their their uh, core beliefs. Those that do adjust. Uh, oftentimes see success in different ways and keep their jobs longer. So I, I'm with you. we got to applaud that whenever we see coaches who say, I mean, I, I bring it back to uh, football, arguably the greatest football coach 
uh, one of them, maybe ever, Don Shula, was all about running the football and playing defense, kind of like Mark Wise's college basketball analysis. <laughs> Stop telling me about defense and rebounding and defense. Don Shula only wanted to run the ball and play defense. Then he got this guy named Dan Marino, and he said, you know what? We can beat the crap out of everybody by throwing the ball. And they became epic in the 80s, and Marino's in the Hall of Fame. And he won Shula about another 150 games because they, they figured out there's a different way to play. And that's the uh, that's the point. Those that can't adjust and can't adapt and and change uh, the philosophy. I, one more on this. I still remember Bo Ryan coming to his Wisconsin teams, the former coach, and saying, "Guys, we've got to change the way that we play. We're too plodding. We don't shoot enough threes. Here are the analytics that say we are costing ourselves ten points, twelve points a game because of the way we are choosing to play. We're going to become a perimeter team." All they did was go to that Final Four in 2015 as a three-point shooting team. There's another example, Mark. And again, uh, uh, Kentucky, John Calipari, very hesitant to go zone, and yet uh, down the stretch in the game at Arkansas on Saturday, they went zone and uh, gave Arkansas some fits and was able to get that big-time win as well. All right, a couple more moments. Mark Wise with me. He's got to get out of here. Again, midweek, depending on when you're hearing us, Tennessee, Ole Miss. Mark on the call on the SEC Network from Knoxville Tuesday night. Wednesday night, Alabama and Vanderbilt, likewise on the SEC Network. He just shifts into the central time zone, into the capital, into Nash Vegas uh, for Alabama and Vanderbilt Wednesday. And then on the weekend, uh, you were also working American Conference basketball. I know you had Houston's big win over uh, Wichita State. Uh, that one coming back on Saturday. Say something about that victory. Quality win for Houston. Yeah, it was a big time win. I I thought Houston completely suffocated Wichita State, and that is hard to do in the roundhouse. Uh, their their on ball pressure, their ability to have rim protection was um, stellar, and as a consequence, the roundhouse never got rocking. Wichita State never got into an offensive flow, so that's that's a big time win. And again, we come back to that American Conference Big Three at the top. There's also maybe a fourth that we're going to have to start paying attention to because all of a sudden Tulsa, because they had beaten Houston the previous week, uh, is tied at the top with Houston right now. So uh, Memphis, Wichita State, Houston, Tulsa, maybe Cincinnati in the mix. I think the American is pretty good at the top. Yeah, Memphis at Tulsa, my alma mater there. Go Tigers, go at Tulsa Wednesday night. Wichita State is in Tampa, where I am based, West Central Florida, playing USF, South Florida, in Tampa Tuesday night off that loss. You will have their game with UCF out of Orlando back at home in Wichita on Saturday. So it's a Florida tandem, one in Florida, one back home with UCF Saturday night real quick, right? And and as we look at Saturday's schedule, the thing that jumps out at me, TJ, is the SEC Big 12 Challenge. And I know we've talked about Baylor, Florida, but there's also some other games that catch my eye. For instance, the Kentucky at Texas Tech. Who would have ever thought that Kentucky would be playing in Lubbock, Texas, <laughs> maybe four or five years ago? So um, that that's a wonderful matchup. Emmanuel quickly has made them a completely different team, and I'm talking about Kentucky. He's leading them in scoring in league play. He's shooting lights out 58% from beyond the arc in league play. So he gives them a, a kind of a third guy, if you will, and 
and uh, he gives them some experience off the bench as well. So they're playing better because quickly has been added to the mix. A, a couple of games, you know, I think LSU is going to get Texas at a desperate time. Yeah. It might be the last stand, no pun intended, uh, for Texas with LSU coming on the road. Then there are a couple of other games that, you know, Arkansas at home against TCU. Uh, this is another resume-building opportunity for Arkansas. And lastly, we mentioned Alabama earlier. Kansas State struggling uh, to find wins in the Big 12. So another resume protector for Alabama. Alabama and Arkansas, I don't think either one can afford to slip up at home in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Yep, we'll see if they can take care of it. Tennessee at Kansas on Saturday, as well as Baylor at Florida uh, in that challenge. So fascinating games to build to for the weekend. Again, check out Mark Wise, SEC Network, Tennessee two-step. Knoxville Tuesday night, depending on when you're hearing us, Tennessee Ole Miss. Wednesday night, Alabama, Vanderbilt from Nashville. Weekend game uh, on the U, I believe, correct, for the American, uh, one of the platforms. It is. is All late night games. All late night games. And here's my take. I get fans all the time that ask me this, TJ. Why do we have to play the late game? Why do we have to be the (laughs) 9 o'clock game? It's too late to play. Well, here's my answer to that. Do you go home and turn on the TV at 10 o'clock and watch a little bit of a late game? And they all answer the same thing. Yeah, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> that, well, then stop complaining that, when it's your turn to play the game. That would be why those games are on in those slots. They want the games and the coaches the night owl with the SEC games midweek. And again, Wichita State in primetime Saturday night with UCF back in Wichita and American Conference play. Always love the insight. Love the wise men. Uh, we're heading out of the month of January. Great stuff, Mark Wise. We'll be watching you on the call. Thank you. Thanks, TJ. And there we go. That will do it, love. The uh, the insight, the fun that we have with all of our different guests, including Mark Wise with me most recently. Again, Mark working, as I said, the Tennessee two-step in Knoxville for Tennessee Ole Miss in, uh, in SEC play on Tuesday night. And then on Wednesday night in SEC play, Alabama and Vanderbilt, both of those on the SEC television network. Uh, find your local listing for the channel on both of those that Mark is working. He's working Wichita State and UCF on the weekend in the American Conference, is Mark Wise. Thanks also to Matt Zimmick. Read him up, writing about the Big Ten and much more. BadgerWire.com for the Wisconsin recap. They have Nebraska midweek. They should be able to win. But, you know, He was laying out some of the other Big Ten teams at the top, whether it be Illinois or Michigan State or Ohio State uh, or on and on down the list. How about Maryland uh, also playing? Uh, coming out of this on Tuesday night uh, is or actually uh, Maryland, I believe, a Wednesday night game as I go back. Or actually, no, that's correct. Maryland on a Tuesday night playing at Northwestern Illinois at Purdue. You may already know those results. Uh, meantime, on uh, Wednesday night in the Big Ten, Rutgers and Iowa that will be doing battle in Iowa City with Rutgers five and two in the conference playing on the road. You talk about quadrant one win. We were talking about the net a couple of times in this podcast. That would be a massive quadrant one win. And as Adam Zagoria told you, Rutgers has not been uh, ranked in the AP poll since 1979. How about that? You got to go back to Jimmy Carter's presidency. 
uh, long lines at the gas station, uh, whatever. The Empire Strikes Back sequel was not out yet in the movie theaters uh, for Star Wars. The last time that Rutgers, who's currently ranked 24th, was in the top 25 of the AP poll. We'll see what happens uh, with that matchup. My Memphis Tigers, as Mark was alluding to, with Tulsa on Wednesday night in American Conference play with Memphis at 3-1 and one right now in the American Conference. Uh, also, Dayton at 5-0 and oh in the A-10, taking on St. Bonaventure. Dayton right now, a good-looking team as well uh, in the net at number 5 overall in the net. They're looking at if they continue to win... Uh, potentially being something like a two seed. I don't know that Dayton can get to a one seed. Anthony Grant's team will find out. They play the Bonnies, who are 4-1 and one in the Atlantic 10 in Dayton. That is a Wednesday night game as well. Also in the preview mode for Thursday night, Michigan State at Indiana. A little Wazoo, who Matt Zimmick was talking about on the road at Colorado as well in the Pac-12. Uh, to keep an eye on also. All right, there you go. That'll do it for this edition of College Basketball Coast to Coast. Appreciate all the guests. Again, follow Mark Wise at MW Hoops on Twitter. MW Hoops for Mark Wise. Follow Matt Zemek at Matt Zemek, Z-E-M-E-K. Follow Adam Zagoria at Adam Zagoria, Z-A-G-O-R-A. Follow this show at CBB Coast, the number two coast on social media. CBB Coast to Coast. Uh, for all the college basketball coverage here. And again, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast. Go grab College Basketball Coast to Coast. It comes to you automatically whenever there's a new one. We come in the preview mode for the week on Monday, maybe Tuesday afternoon uh, for the podcast. It'll come automatically to your handheld device, to your iPad. Uh, you can also, uh, through that subscription, get the second podcast during the week whenever the new one is out. We're going to start having them on Thursdays and Fridays to preview the weekend heading into March in the NCAA tournament. So recap podcast, preview podcast, find the show, follow the show, go to CBB Coast and the number two coast. CBB Coast to Coast there on social media. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy all of the games here this week. We're marching to March. Thank you for being with me on College Basketball Coast to Coast.